0: So, we've uh, we've been in this series called Run, and we are running through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're, we're starting out slow. I mean, we're only on chapter 2. We're not really sprinting through Corinthians. We're going to take our time digging in, uh, but we're looking at chapter 2 today. And, uh, you know, so I, I've been thinking, you know, going through this Run series, what are some of my best stories about running? I don't have a lot. I wasn't a track star. I wasn't, you know, cross-country, anything like that. But uh, I... I I may have told this story already, but I I don't care. It's a good one. So I I played high school baseball, and on our team, uh, we kind of had this old kind of cranky coach with like a goatee, but he had a lot of like really quick sayings. He's pretty funny, pretty sharp, and so, you know, he'd make us always start out, you know, run around the field a couple times, get warmed up, and so I... Like back then, I, I didn't mind running, and I liked like that idea of like, okay, I want to outwork everyone on the field, I want to be the hardest worker out here, and so I would go hard, and I'd make sure I was first every time running around this field, but there was one kid who, it was almost like it was his goal to make sure he finished last every time we had to run a lap around these fields, and, uh, and, and I, I'll never forget this one day, you know, we're all done, the whole team, and, and this kid, Sterns. You know, hopefully he's not watching on YouTube right now. Stearns, that was his last name. Everybody was there, you know, it's all about the last name in baseball. He's like, the coach is like, Stearns, Stearns, you're slower than the second coming of Christ. <laughs> I'll never forget that line. I was like, oh, that's a good line, coach. That's a good line. Everybody had a good laugh. Stearns finally made it back. He, he just, you know, he didn't love running. That was not his thing. In fact, he was very against running. He was, I mean, what he was doing was, You ever see people and it's fake running? Like, it looks like they're running, but really they're walking? Like, you know, yeah, 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 it's like, yeah, when there's a car coming. Great illustration. When there's a car coming and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm hurrying, but you're really not. You just make it. It's deceiving, all right? That's what you're doing. It's very deceiving. Uh, And that's what, for me, during this series, I've been trying to run, because I think God wants to teach me something through actually physically running again in my life, I hate it, but I I mean, I, you know, I've been keeping track of my mile times and all that. My first one was like 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm like, ah, I'm going to walk most of this mile. And then I'll kind of do a little like the fake run, like there's a car coming. And so I've slowly been progressing. This week, I finally got to the point where I could go the entire time without walking and without feeling like, oh man, okay, I I ran the whole time. There's a few moments, it was kind of the fake run but it still looked like I was running to anybody watching, okay? And and I think for us, it's a mindset. As we go through this book of Corinthians, running is all about a mindset. When you are running in the Christian race, this faith that we have been called to, it takes a new mindset from your previous one. And that's what we're looking at today as we dive in here on chapter 2. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. We have to change our mindset and how we look at everything in this world. So chapter 2, verse 1, Paul's message of wisdom. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom. That word in Greek is Sophia, and, and it was something that the the Corinthians, they prized. Like, they just, they valued Sophia. They valued these different people that would go around to these cities and, and they would get up. And, and this is a very common thing. People would get up and they, they'd hear speakers and they, it was like TED Talks, but for Corinthians, okay? <laughs> Corinthian Talks. I don't know what they called it. I don't know who was TED back then, you know? But that, that's what they would do. They would have these TED Talks. And, and so, Paul, he says, When I came and I spoke, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. I mean, Paul, when he delivered this message, he said he he came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. I've had some moments like that where I knew I had to get up and preach, and I was like, I don't want to preach this word. I don't want, this is going to be a hard one. I don't want to do this one. And I felt what Paul is talking about right there. I felt timid. I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. Because sometimes he wants to use our weaknesses to speak life into other people, to show, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, what your pedigree is, what your background is, Everyone is invited into the family. One of of my hardest messages I ever had to give was at this middle school conference. It was a statewide conference, and there was probably 600, 700 middle school kids there. And I'd written this message, and I really felt like, okay, man, this is all I got. This is the message. And when I got there that day, I I remember telling God, I I don't want to do this. I I don't want to talk about this stuff in front of these kids. I I don't want to bring some of this stuff up and I I just completely felt like, God, give me any other word. Give me any other message than this one, and I started kind of going through my head all the sermons I'd preached in the past that I'd done that I really liked, and I really felt good about. Like, I've done some that I've written, and I'm like, man, that's a home run, all right? That's how preachers talk. We talk in baseball terms, all right? That's a home run. That's a triple. (sighs) That was a bunt, and I think I got out on that one. It was bad. (laughs) Like, that's how we do it. So, I was looking at all my home runs I'd done in the past, the ones I felt good, the ones I felt like, man, there is some Sophia here, there's some wisdom. I'm not talking about some girl, I'm talking about wisdom, the Greek word there. So I I was looking at those and I was thinking, yeah, I should do this one. Or no, I should do this one. These make me look good. And God said, It's not about you, it's about me. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, God. And and I gave this message, and I I walked up there, and I I tell you, I, I did not feel good. I felt timid. I felt weak. I was trembling. But man, the Holy Spirit, in the weakness, he moved. And it was one of the most powerful nights I'd ever seen in ministry where kids were wrecked with the gospel. I mean, they were just absolutely convicted about their sin but about who jesus is and what he's done for them and that it didn't matter who they were or what they'd done they are loved and i walked away that night knowing he's way better at preaching than i am and that's what paul is saying here he's not saying hey don't go out there as a preacher and just you know don't go out and give 50% because you know, uh, that, that's all you gotta do. I, I don't want you to look smarter. I don't want you to look wise. But he, he wants us to realize the power is in the message. It, it really is. The power is in the message. Now, I'll tell you, I'm gonna come out every week and I'm gonna do my best and I, I'm gonna, because I, I want the word to come alive for people. I'm passionate about that. And I know because of my life, I've seen it. I've seen preachers that have gotten up and they just kind of, you know, they went 50%. You know, they just kind of, I keep wanting to say half, you know, half-butted it. They half-butted it. I don't know. It's just in my head today. I'm sorry, guys. I I repent. All right. They half-butted it. Even butt. I'm sorry, bottom. All right. If my kids were in here, they'd be yelling at me. Don't say butt, Dad. All right. So, And there's guys that have done that, and there's women that have done that, that have preached, and they just kind of like, oh, I don't need to do anything, I don't need to prepare, I don't need to practice, or I don't need to be in the word. I'm just gonna go out there, all I gotta do is talk about Jesus, it'll be fine. And and that's great, but I'll tell you what, he wants to partner with us in ministry. He wants to partner with us. And and it was because I went to a conference where I heard somebody preach the gospel message like they were on fire and like it was the last thing that they were ever going to say to somebody before they died on this earth. It's because I've heard somebody give their all that I give my life to Jesus. And and that was the night that I I said, God, I want to do that for others. I, I want you to use me the way you used him because I was dead and lost before your word brought revival and his passion, he believed what he was saying. God, I want to believe and live out what I'm saying. If I'm going to preach, God, let me live it out and believe it like what I just witnessed tonight. So there's nothing. Paul's not saying, don't go out there and don't, don't give your best. But understand and realize. It's not about the wisdom. It's not about making yourself look good. It's not about, man, Hey, here's three points, and you know, I, I studied psychology in college, and I can tell you how it relates to them. It's not about impressing people, it's about the power of His Word and the message of the cross. That is what brings salvation, that is what brings real change. I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Verse three I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Every week we invite the Holy Spirit into our service. Every week we invite him into our lives. Not just here on Sunday morning, but into our lives. Because there is power in the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. There was a lot of great people out there giving some self-help speeches, just like what we have today. You can get any kind of self-help speech or book that you want and think, man, this will change my life. This will help me. This is the wisdom, the Sophia of the world. It cannot give you what the power of the cross can give us and has given us. It can't match it. Verse 6, yet when I am among mature believers... I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. That's an important thing to remember. There's a lot of times we put a lot of stock into the rulers of this world, but they will soon be forgotten. No, the wisdom, verse 7, we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden It was all laid out in the Old Testament, but it was hidden from us. Nobody understood. Nobody understood what Jesus was doing. Everybody thought, man, the plan is over. It wasn't him. He's not the Messiah. When he was hung up on the cross, and when he was put in the tomb, there was a mystery there. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. The rulers... Pontius Pilate, Herod, all those guys that said, yes, you know, the the Jewish religious leaders that said, yes, put Jesus to death, they didn't understand what they were doing. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's Paul quoting Isaiah again. I I said this last week, but Paul is kind of called the Isaiah of the New Testament. Isaiah is kind of called the Paul of the Old Testament. There's a lot of similarities in their writings. I want to jump back here. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Isaiah 40 verse 12. Here's that reference he's making. Isaiah 40 verse 12. The Lord has no equal. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Like, that's amazing, right? Like, have you ever tried to cup water? Like, if you were going to, like, if you filled up a bathtub and you were going to, like, just use your hand and you were just going to get it all out of there. That'd take a lot of cups of your hand, right? I mean, mean, that's just a bathtub. Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, he's the creator. He established justice. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. Every nation, every power, every ruler, they're a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. That's powerful imagery about who God is. And then it starts to make you wonder about the things that we worry about in life. Uh, the things that we put a lot of stock into in this world, and, and we think, man, I I don't know what's going to happen. I I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I don't know the future. And we put a lot of stress on ourselves, especially in these times. It's really easy to start to wonder, man, are we on the brink of World War III? What is going on in our world today? And there's this quote. I can't remember who said it. But has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He's not surprised by anything. Those worries, those things that you're, you're stressed about, you're anxious about, everything in this world that you're thinking, man, I, I don't know how this is gonna work out. There's nothing that will surprise him. Let's keep going here through Corinthians. Verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. The Spirit reveals things. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. There are deep secrets that are going to be revealed when we, man, you, we are temples of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And some of us, I had this image pop in my head the other day, some of us We in America, we are so good at getting people in the door. The attractional church. That's what we've done really good in America, in the West. We're going to have the attractional church. Man, we're going to have great music. We're going to have great kids ministry. We're going to have lights and sounds and all kinds of great stuff. So everybody that walks in is just like, whoa, this is great. This is amazing. And then we're going to make sure... Once we got you in the door, man, we're going to make sure we introduce you to Jesus, and we're going to talk a lot about baptism, which is great. We talk about baptism here, but then we're not going to talk about anything else after it, because we got you in the door. What we're doing here, we're really good at getting people into the lobby. Like, you ever been to a really fancy hotel, and they got a great lobby, and you just walk in, and you're like, there's a nice buffet over there. Shoot, I don't know, this is a pretty great place. Comfy couches, there's TVs. I could just live in the lobby. Like It's like that nice of a lobby. It's a fancy hotel. We're great at introducing people to Jesus. We're great at getting people saved and just saying, hey man, all you gotta do is you know, repent, be baptized, you're good. We're great at that. But we really don't know what to do after that. And really, if we're honest, like I I mean, I've worked in the church a long time. I, I know we're great at presenting the gospel message. We're great at doing that, but we don't really know how to give people directions to the elevator. Because guess what? There's a whole lot more than the lobby. God's got way more for you. He doesn't want you to stay in the lobby. He didn't mean for you to live in the lobby. He's got more for us. Amen. There we go. I was like, way more, way more. There we go. Now we're waking up. All right. We're great at getting people into the lobby, but we got to move to the next level. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Man, he's our elevator. He's going to raise us up. He's going to raise us up to new heights and new levels that we've never been before. I didn't write that one. That's him right there. That's a good one. Holy Spirit, hey, hey, you're better than me. I didn't write that. So that's what he does. He wants to raise you up to a new level. Some of us, we get in and we're satisfied, and we say, "No, this is good right here." In fact, I've got a really uh, a close friend in my life, and he says this a lot. And he says, "You know, I just I just want to make it into heaven. You know, I I don't care if I just get a shack when I'm there. They can kind of put me in like this little like cardboard box when I get to heaven." And, and that's good enough. And, and, and for a long time, I thought, oh, you know, yeah, that's good. Like, that is a good thing. You're right. Like, we just, that should be the goal. And it's like, no, that's not the goal. If that's the goal, we've missed it. And we're missing out on life to the full right now, right here, while we were on this earth walking. He's called us to run the race not to limp, not to fake run. He's called us to run the race, and we're gonna do our very best and give our very best, and we're not just aiming for the shack. We're aiming for the mansion, all right? It's okay. Like, we should be seeking heavenly treasure. The treasures of this world, everything in this world that we seek after, that we chase after, it's fading away Man, when we give our lives to serve and to love and to live out the mission of Jesus, we're storing up treasure for us in heaven. We're storing up that mansion. We're storing up something that will not fade, that will last forever. Don't just settle for the shack. Get on the elevator. Let's see where the next level takes us. All right. Sometimes he just kind of, all right, that's good. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. There's more to it than the lobby. Verse 11, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have that spirit living in us. Verse 12, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. We haven't received a spirit from the world. We've received a spirit from God. He is living inside of us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. You need the Holy Spirit to explain spiritual truths. That's what he's doing in this moment. The Holy Spirit is moving and speaking to each of us in this moment. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. This is good right here. This is good. So this phrase that he uses, verse 14 here we go. We've got got a little more, a little extra Greek today. And if you're not familiar, Greek, that's the language Paul was writing in. And and so sometimes there's some things that we miss out on in translation when we go from Greek to what we have today in the English language. There's just some things that people like, we we can do our very best, but it's why there's so many translations of the Bible today. Because there's some people that look at that and they say, ah, we could do a little better. Let's tweak this a little bit. So it helps when we start to understand the words and the language Paul was using, or any of these writers. So, uh, this word here, sukikos, sukikos, and what it means is it's like merely human, or uh, let's see here, it is what is natural as relates to the physical, the tangible what we can see, what we can smell, what we can eat, what we can touch, the tangible, the tangible life alone. It is more of earth than heaven. That's what Paul is saying here. Those that are more of earth than heaven, they cannot understand the things of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to make sense to them. It is foolishness. We know this. We know that there are people in our lives. If they look at what we do, they, they say, "Man, it's crazy that you go to church on a Sunday morning. It's crazy that uh, our our guy Jake. We got this guy Jake. He uh, he comes out every Sunday and meets Andrew and I here at 6:30 a.m. and helps us unload a trailer, whether it's minus 10 degrees or 100 degrees. And we set stuff up and we get things situated." People in the world would look at that and say, that's crazy. You should be sleeping in. That's foolish. That's dumb. People of the world, merely human thinking, they look at that and they say, that is so foolish. But he's not thinking like the rest of the world. The Holy Spirit is moving and working in his life. And he knows what the Holy Spirit has done in his life and his family's life. He knows what the work of Jesus means to him, the work of the cross and the meaning of the empty tomb. And so because of that, he doesn't think like the rest of the world. Sorry, Jake, you're getting like a whole hype video right now, man. But he doesn't think in those terms anymore because he knows this is more valuable than anything else he could do sleeping at home. This is worth everything because somebody today might come here and they might hear the message of the cross for the first time. Somebody might come and they've been living in the lobby their whole lives and they might say, I want to go to the next level. And so it's worth Jake in his mind making that investment. Which by the way, here's a quick pitch. If you ever want to join setup team, <laughs> we'll take you. We will take you. All right. Even if, you, if you're like, oh, I'm not very strong. You don't have to be strong. All right. We got chairs and light stuff. And if you're strong, you should be here, all right? 6.30. I'll buy you coffee, all right? Okay. 6.30, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Seriously, Andrew says, Andrew's like, Andrew's been praying for this. Come on, get that setup team going. We got to build that setup team. We got a lot of people like that, but we need more. But they know, they're not thinking merely human. They're thinking Holy Spirit. What's he saying to me? What's he speaking into my life? It is the spirit versus the flesh. We talked about that also at the beginning of the spirit, at the beginning of this series. (laughs) We talked about this. Paul, he lays this out. You can think of the flesh or you can think in the spirit. I mean, you talk about running. If you're thinking in just the flesh, Running hurts, it makes your lungs burn, it makes your joints ache. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking just in the flesh, your body, when you start to run, I mean, you get one block in and you're like, no, if my body's in control, my body says, no. It, it is a discipline to listen in the spirit to fight against the flesh, to fight against the pain, to fight against the urges, to fight against the desires of this world. The world says, take whatever you want, take what you desire, take what feels good. Do what you want when you want. The flesh says, no, 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 no. I mean, the spirit, sorry. The spirit says, "No, no, no, no. There's a better way. That next level. It doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. They're going to look at it and say, you're crazy, you're dumb, you're foolish. But when you walk in the Spirit, there is power there, there is transformation there, there is blessing there. You are walking in the promises of God spoken to our forefathers in the faith years ago. You are walking in those promises and blessings when you walk in the Holy Spirit today. That is what we live for. I was thinking about this this week, this this battle between spirit and flesh. We, We fought the flesh when we did 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. That's what fasting does. You fight the flesh. You fight the natural urges, the desires, the things that you want. Even just denying yourself food, that is fighting against the flesh and taking back control and power in the spirit and it teaches you discipline, and it teaches you to walk in a new way. And and what I've heard, like there are so many cool stories out of that, but uh, a big theme I've heard, a lot of people, what they gave up was social media. They gave up Facebook, they gave up Instagram, they gave up Twitter, whatever. They gave up that, and and a lot of them I've heard like since then have said, man, I, I haven't gotten back on. Like, my life is better. I'm walking free. I am free of the chains of this world. I'm free of trying to compare my life and my joy to a million other people that I see scrolling through here, and it has freed me up in a way that I can live again. And they're not going back. Now, This, if you take church planning 101, they would tell you, that, that's stupid. Don't tell your people to get off social media. They, they, they would be like, no, no, no. That's how you communicate to your people. That's how you promote stuff. That's what the church does, right? Every good church has to have a good social media team. But man, if our entire church gets off social media, pff, I'm all right with that. <laughs> like, if that's the thing, like holding you back, if that's the thing keeping you in chains, that's okay. We'll find another way to get the word out. We'll find another way to tell you where we're popping up. That's why we got that text, all right? Sign up for that text. Rev. Omaha, 94,000. That's how we communicate. But... Our social media team's probably like, don't tell people to stop. We're doing good. They are doing good. They're putting out encouraging stuff. They're putting out great stuff. It's awesome, but I'll tell you what, if that just becomes a light in the darkness for the rest of the world and our church, we move away from that because it means we're getting free from the world and living in the spirit, that's better. Amen, there we go, come on. Come on, that's better. Walk in the spirit. Ooh, all right, I better close this out, man. Let's all, come on, get on up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's close this out here. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Let me say that one again. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. And there's freedom when you're walking in the Spirit. There's freedom when you are living by His voice. Because all of a sudden, His voice drowns out every other voice in this world. Every voice that you worry about, every voice that you're concerned about, every idea of what you think you should be, every idea in this world that you think, man, my life should look like this, or man, I, I wonder what these people are saying about me over here. You can't be evaluated by the world. You can't be judged by the world's standards anymore. We are walking in the Spirit by truth. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have something that that some of the greatest men and women of faith in the Old Testament, they would have loved to have had. They're envious of what we walk in today. They're envious of the fact that we are living, breathing, walking temples of the Holy Spirit. That power resides in us. And he guides our lives today. For we have the mind of Christ. We're going to take this moment and I, I would just invite you to stand. Wherever you are, let's stand together. And, and this is a moment where we're going to take communion and then we're going to get into worship, but I, I would tell you, take this moment as you take this bread and this juice to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, to remember that sacrifice, and maybe to gather around with a friend or a family member or somebody and, and just pray together. Pray for each other. But to remember that we are spiritual people. We're not of this world anymore. This world and its desires are fading away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever because of Christ Jesus, because of what he's done for us. We walk in freedom. We walk in the Spirit. And so we remember that, that we have freedom because of Jesus, his body that was hung on the cross, his blood that was spilled out, We walk in the Spirit today because of that sacrifice. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this church family. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he's done for us. God, help us to kill Everything in this world that tries to drag us away from you, help us to crucify it on the cross and leave it there as we walk in freedom, as we walk in your spirit this week. In your name we pray, amen.